Well, happy Resurrection Sunday. Yes, that's a purple, lots of purple today, so it was uh, brought to my attention that I was twinsies with the uh, communion cup, so that's always good. <laughs> Are we excited to be here, Resurrection Sunday? Cool. Uh, Jesus is the most famous person who has ever lived. There are more songs, there are more books, there's more art, things that have been created to worship Him, to glorify Him, to exalt Him, to talk about His existence. The Bible is the number one book ever sold, translated into more languages than any other book, and it's not even close. It's also the number one stolen book in history, so people are so excited to read about Jesus that they're willing to steal for it, and then, of course, have to repent later and apologize. But uh, the two biggest celebrations we have as a church are Christmas, celebrating the birth of Jesus, and Easter, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. So Jesus is kind of a big deal, amen? Amen. We even measure our time by Jesus, right? We have before his birth and then after his birth, although it wasn't really an exact date. It was kind of a guess, but now we know it was kind of different. Fun fact for the day, today is April 17th. The day that Jesus rose from the dead was April 17th. So it's kind of cool. Today is like the exact day, right? It was, he was about 30 AD, so it's almost been exactly 2,000 years. Uh, but today I'm going to talk really fast. Sorry, Karen McCormick, but we're going to look at 21 reasons to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. There are people here that know and follow and believe in Jesus, but sometimes you're like, did he really, did he really raise from the dead? Was it, was it really true? There are also people here that maybe they don't believe. They came here because their grandma told them to. And they're excited to be here to meet new people, but at the same time, they don't really believe in the resurrection of Jesus. So we're not talking about, you know, uh, uh, really say, hey, is the Bible completely true all the time? I believe it is. That's another sermon for a different time. But because today is Easter, we're looking at 21 reasons to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. So number one, uh, Jesus' resurrection was predicted in the Old Testament, right? If you got one of these Bibles things, these guys right? Uh, So the Old Testament is the stuff that the first two-thirds of the Bible that comes before the New Testament. So a thousand years prior to to Jesus uh, uh, raising from the dead in Psalm 1610 says, you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your holy one see decay. Holy, how many, what was the number said? Holy one. This is talking about one person, right? You will not let your holy one, uh, the Messiah, Jesus, see decay. So Jesus was going to die and he's going to come back to life, right? He was, he was going to go to the grave, but he won't be abandoned. He won't see decay. A thousand years, a thousand years prior to Jesus, uh, God didn't want us to miss it. He didn't want his people to miss the resurrection of Jesus. So he told him he was going to do it a thousand years before he did it. Am I the only one that thinks that's cool? Like when I, when I say, hey, uh, I'll take out the trash sometime this week, right? Next week, possibly. Uh, I'm talking about a future event that I can that I can control, that I can come, that I can make happen, but to say something a thousand years in advance and then make it come true. So it's really special. It's, it's uh, the number one reason, I think, to, to believe in the, in the resurrection. Number two is uh, Jesus himself predicted his resurrection in advance. I'm sorry if you're taking notes. I'm going to try to go slow as possible. Uh, Mark 8.31 he talks about how there's going to be uh, religious leaders who are not going to like him. They're going to put him to death. He's going to die. And then three days later, he's going to rise from the dead. Jesus predicted his own resurrection. Now, what we know and believe about Jesus 
is that he does whatever he's going to say he's going to do every time. So he said he was going to do it, and then he did it. But wouldn't it be great if we could predict the future? I mean, I'm not saying that you should gamble, but if you knew who was going to win the World Series, I'm just saying, <laughs> it would be foolish not to make that wager, right? You're losing money by not making that bet. It would be really nice to know the future, but it wouldn't be nice to know when you're going to suffer. You know, well, I know I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. You're going to be rejected. He knew he was going to be put to death. That's not a future that I would like to know because if it was me in my selfish ways, I would avoid that at all possible, right? I would do everything I could to not be crucified. And yet Jesus knew it was going to happen and he did it anyways. He always does exactly what he promises to do. The third uh, proof here is that Jesus died. Jesus died. He was crucified, which is, you know, Good Friday. We celebrated that. It wasn't so good for Jesus. But he was crucified, and it hurt really bad, and he died. The state doesn't always get things right, especially the Roman government. They got a couple things right. They got roads and death. Those were the two things they did really, really well. Sometimes I wish our government did roads well, uh, but that's another, that's another time. Uh, so they did death really well. They knew when people died. It wasn't you know, like they would crucify someone and then they would be seen again. That never, ever, ever happened, except for one time. Jesus was very much dead, D-E-D, dead. He was wrapped in over 100 pounds. <laughs> That's right. You can do your, thank you guys for knowing how to read. Uh, he was wrapped in over 100 pounds of burial uh, linens, garments, and spices. He was closed off in an airless tomb without any medical help for three days. So under the pure hypothesis that maybe he wasn't dead, he just needed some time to recover, uh, no, he was dead. He was dead. And if he wasn't dead by the time that he was done being crucified, he would have been dead by the time that he had come out of the tomb because how long can you go without air? Not three days. So even if he wasn't dead before they put him in the tomb, he would have surely been dead at that time. But he was surely dead before they put him in the tomb. So if he died... They put him in a tomb, and that tomb, number four, was a well-known location. They didn't take him in secret and, and put him in some special place so that only two people could see. No, they, they knew where he was. There's this guy, Joseph of Arimathea. He said, hey, I don't want Jesus to be thrown. They have these huge burial grounds where after you got crucified, you died. They literally would just take your body and just throw you over the mountain. They'd just throw you over the hill, and that's where you died. But that's not what happened. So Jesus was, uh, he was well-loved by this man, this rich man named Joseph. Jesus was very poor. He didn't have any uh, wealthy uh, or worldly possessions. And so when he died, he wasn't going to be able to afford a tomb. But there was another man, which again fulfills a prophecy. He said, hey, I want Jesus to be buried in my tomb. The Romans were put out in front of his tomb. So the Romans knew where he was. The Jewish leaders knew where he was. Jesus' followers knew where he was. And we know that because of the fact that when the women came to find him, they didn't have to search for the tomb. They knew right where to go, right? Amen? They knew right where to go. Did they ask for directions? No. But they're women, so they would have if they needed it. So <laughs> if it was Peter, we know that he wouldn't have. Yeah. Okay, so number five, Jesus' tomb was guarded by the Roman government. Now, this was a big deal. They didn't want anyone tampering with Jesus' body because he had said he was going to come back to life. And so they said, hey, we want to make sure this does not happen. 
So what they thought was going to happen is that the, the followers of Jesus would come in the middle of the night or something, and they would take Jesus' body. Be like, see, he's not there. He rose from the dead. And how great was that? That's really cool. So they put Roman guards out in front to guard the tomb 24-7. They wanted the tomb to remain unopened and untampered, so they put a seal, a wax seal on it. Now, wax seal, when it's broken, it's clear that, okay, this has been tampered with, and so they wanted to say, hey, for sure, we as the Roman government, we're going to make sure that Jesus stays dead. He's going to stay in his tomb. Uh, so we know that for a fact. Um, number six, Jesus' empty tomb was found by women. This is not a sexist remark, okay? But in the, Roman, in the time of the Romans, a woman's testimony was worth much less than a man's testimony. So if you're going to write a fake story about people coming to find an empty tomb... What would be the wise thing to do to say who found the tomb? Men, because men, again, at that time, men's testimony in Roman government was worth more than a woman's testimony. So the fact that they, they tell the truth, that it was a woman, that a woman found the empty tomb, tells us that this is not a fabricated story. Uh, everywhere Christianity goes, women are liberated, not oppressed. And I need you to hear that. I need you to believe that and understand that. Uh, women finding the empty tomb which is, in my opinion, was Jesus's first nod to tell women how important they were, even after his, his resurrection. Not to get too sidetracked, but when Jesus went to Samaria, he told one person who he was and told them to basically bring the whole uh, people of Samaria to, to, to know Jesus, and that one person was a woman. So everywhere Jesus goes, women are liberated. Uh, number seven, Jesus's followers turned from cowards to courageous. Again, just like we see in the Old Testament, the Bible isn't sugarcoating, right, who the disciples were. They weren't there when Jesus was crucified. These are the people that said, we will follow you anywhere. We will do anything. We will go wherever you go. We will die if it means that, you know, like we're going to be with you. And yet there's only one disciple that was close by when, uh, when Jesus was crucified. Peter denied Jesus three times. That night uh, he was betrayed. All of Jesus' followers left him. Even more so, Thomas, we call Thomas the doubter, even though he's called Thomas the twin in the Bible, doubting Thomas, uh, he was so afraid that uh, when they were meeting in the upper room, all of the disciples, all the people of followers of Jesus together, he wasn't there because he was so afraid he didn't want to be in the room uh, where all the other followers of Jesus were. So when Jesus, of course, he came back to life and then he revealed himself, uh, Thomas wasn't there because he was so afraid to be there. These men, after learning about Jesus' resurrection, they no longer feared death because they knew that Jesus had conquered death. They knew it because they saw him die, they, or at least or heard about the fact that he was super dead. They knew they could go to his tomb if he was there. Uh, and if you belong to Jesus, this is the beautiful part, if you belong to Jesus, this is as close to his hell as you will ever be. And that's what the disciples came to know and believe. They said, we, we know where we're going when we die. We know that Jesus has conquered death, and so they went from cowards to courageous because they truly believed in the resurrection of Jesus. Number eight, I know I'm going fast. Uh, after Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to over 500 people. That was just at one time he appeared to over 500 people over the course of, of 40 days. He wasn't hiding. It was not a private miracle, which, you know, if, if I had just been crucified by the Roman government and had come back to life, I probably would stay hidden because I would be concerned about 
being crucified again. Uh, it's, so there's, there's this crazy part in Luke chapter 24, where Jesus has, has, he's risen from the dead, and there's two guys, one of whom was named Cleopas, which is why, right? Why? Uh, like, I don't know if there were rednecks in the Roman times, but that really sounds like a redneck name. Have you met my cousin Cleopas? He's like, uh, can he fix my boat? Uh, so, th- so he's resurrected, and he's, he's only spending 40 days on earth, and he chooses to walk seven miles with these two men. And during the course of their walk, it, it says that he explains how everything that had happened in the law and in the Old Testament, it was all about him. So he took, he took the time to just spend time with his disciples. He cooked for them. He ate with them. Uh, his resurrection is not a hysterical event. It's a historical one that cannot be denied. Okay, number nine, Jesus' followers remained loyal to him even until their death. There's this amazing book called Fox's uh, Book of the Martyrs. Uh, the disciples died in terrible, terrible, terrible ways. And, and sometimes people will die for something that they believe in, um, you know, but people aren't going to die for something that they made up, right? So when, it's com- when it comes time to, to, to be killed by the Roman government, for the most part, some of them were killed by uh, the Jewish leaders as well. But when it comes time for you to be, to be killed, and they said, hey, I know you made it up, right? Jesus couldn't have come back from the dead. There's no way he came back from the dead. So just tell us, tell us you made it up, and we'll, go from, we'll set you free. And these men, they couldn't. I said, no, it's true. He rose from the dead. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. You have to do what you have to do to me, but I'm going to tell you the truth, which is the fact that he was dead. He came back to life. So do what you have to do. And so all of these men faced horrible deaths because of the resurrection of Jesus, because they were unwilling to say that it wasn't true. Okay, number two, Jesus's tomb was, or sorry, number 10, Jesus's tomb was not enshrined. It was not enshrined. Every other religious leader has a special tomb or tombstone that you can visit. True? For the most part, you know, every other religious leader has a place where you can go say, this is where their dead body is. When someone we love dies, we honor them, right? We, we have a gravestone for them, or if we're really rich and famous, maybe we can put them in a giant, you know, tomb or something. Uh, and no one was more loved or respected than Jesus. So if he was still in that tomb, we would know where it is. Jesus has the largest following of anyone ever. If he stayed dead, we would know where he laid. You can find Abraham's burial site. Abraham's thousands of years before Jesus. We know where Buddha's burial site is. We know where Muhammad is buried. You can go to these grave sites. There's these huge, giant things where you can visit, and you can pay lots of money and go and visit them. And I assure you that if they knew where Jesus was buried, someone would be profiting off of it today. When you go to Israel, it's, it's, it's kind of cool. You can go and they say, hey, uh, this isn't Jesus's tomb, but it would have looked something like this. So if you pay us $20, you know, you can go in and, and see it. So if they knew where his tomb was, would be, uh, they would be making a lot of money off of it and we could visit it. Okay, number 11, Jesus's followers worshiped him as God. This is capital G, G-O-D. They worshiped him as God. These were devout Jewish men. 
and women, but his disciples were devout Jewish men. To worship Jesus as God would be incredibly sacrilegious and blasphemous. They could be put to death, which ultimately most of them were, other than John. Uh, so for them to worship Jesus as a Savior, King, and God was really important. It's really important. It's something that we should not uh, overlook. Uh, when we tell lies about situations, most of the time we tell lies that benefit us, right? So they're, they're saying that Jesus is God. This is not something that would benefit them because Jesus being God, them saying it out loud would lead to their deaths. So that's a bad thing, right? If you're going to tell a lie, you don't tell a lie that leads to your death. You would tell a lie like, uh, you know, when you go to the DMV and they ask, how much do you weigh? <laughs> 175 pounds. I have ever since high school. I'm telling you. <laughs> or, you know, if your pastor goes, hey, when was the last time you sinned, right? You don't tell the truth because then the time is now when you've recently uh, sinned. Uh, if you're a parent, you know, we ask, oh, how often do you yell at your kids? Wow, oh, man. Never, you know, my kids are perfect. Uh, when the doctor asks you if you've been eating healthy, oh, of course, yeah, two apples a day, three courses of vegetables, and you know, or when the dentist, this is my favorite one, when the dentist asks you how much you floss, oh yeah, four or five times a day, yeah, of course, <laughs> of course I do that. Uh, really, so because of that, because of, of, of all the things that we know, we know that this is not something they would have lied about. Therefore, the burden of proof is on the people to prove that, that Jesus wasn't God. Uh, here's the craziest part. Jesus' family worshiped him as God. Now, some of you came with your family today. Um, let's, uh, Eric and, and Adam. Um, Eric, if you said that you were God, what's Adam going to do? Is he going to write worship songs about you? No, he's going to say, no, no, no. When we grew up, I know for a fact this guy messed up. I, I have all of these stories. Uh, so we have the book of James and the book of Jude. Those are Jesus' half-brothers that he grew up with. Of course, not full brothers because his dad wasn't, he didn't have an earthly dad. But they were his brothers. They grew up with him. And they end up writing books of the Bible to prove that Jesus was God. He is who he says he is. Think about that. I know you're sitting next to your, your siblings over here. Um, if your sibling claimed to be God, you would be the first person to tell everyone that they were lying, that it wasn't true. So the fact that instead of doing that, they write worship songs and they write letters and books of, books of the Bible to prove that Jesus was who he says he was. Mary is his mother. My mother is here. She loves me very much. But if I claimed to be deity, again, she'd be the first person to step up and say, that's not true. It's not true. If anyone knows your sins, it's your family. If anyone knows your sins, it's your family. So the fact that his family worshipped him as God is proof. Um, the beautiful part about this is now we are all welcomed as part of the family of God. He grew up with a, an immediate family, and then he invites us in because of his death, burial, and resurrection. Okay, I know i got to go fast. Some of you guys got lunch plans. Uh, number 13, Jesus' followers changed the Sabbath day from Saturday to Sunday. And here's why that's important, because uh, when God created the earth, right, he created the earth in, in six days, and then he rested on the seventh. And so he told everyone that followed him, the, the Israelites, the Jewish people, he said, this is how you should do this as well. Work for six days, rest for one, 
And that day that you're going to rest is going to be Saturday. It's going to be Saturday. And because of the fact that Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday, which is why we're here at church on Sunday, they changed the Sabbath day from Saturday to Sunday. Now, for all these people, most of the people that when they first came to Christ, they, they were Jewish before. So this was a big deal because not working, uh, they had all of these rules, at least 600 rules that just surrounded the day of the Sabbath. So much so that when Jesus was alive, right, he was with his disciples, they were walking through a field and they were hungry and they picked some of the grain to eat it. And there were Jewish leaders that said, ha, it's the Sabbath, you can't pick grain. And so for them to change that day from Saturday to Sunday would mean that all of their working relationships they had with other Jewish people would be severely hindered. Because every day that they're working on Saturday, everyone in their town would have thought them to be horribly blasphemous and sinners and terrible people. It was a big deal for them to change their Sabbath day from Saturday to Sunday. Not just because, you know, they didn't have football. They didn't have college football or NFL, so it's not, this, was a, this wasn't a big deal. Uh, okay, uh, number 14, Jesus' followers uh, practice communion and baptism. Do we still practice communion today? And why do we do it? Because Jesus said so. Yeah, uh, yeah, communion is symbolizing, right, the broken body of Jesus. I did want to say this. Um, some people, uh, someone was upset. I'm not going to name names. Uh, they said, oh, someone said that Jesus's body was broken when they're talking about communion. But one of the, the prophecies says that he won't break a bone. So how could his body be broken? It's like, that is true. Jesus didn't break a bone, but he was whipped with the cat of nine tails 39 times. He was beaten. He was spit on. He was crucified. And then they stabbed him with a spear. His body was broken. Not his bones, but his body was broken. And okay, so is that clear? When we say his body was broken, we're not talking about his bones. Uh, baptism is symbolizing Jesus dying, being buried, and rising from the dead, conquering sin and death. Baptism is our new covenant with Jesus. It's that this pool, is it? Yeah. Is it warm? Ooh, yeah. So we're going to have at least one today. Uh, and again, yeah, we're really excited about that. So uh, again, when you're baptized, right, you're, you're alive and then you're buried with Christ and then you're raised to walk in a newness of life. The fact that we still practice this uh, today is to show as another proof that Jesus truly did rise from the dead. Today's a great day to get baptized. I mean, every day is a good day to get baptized, but e there's something special about Easter Sunday because it's the day that Jesus rose to walk in a newness of life. And so we can partner with him even better on that day. Um, and if you didn't know why you were here today, if you're like, man, I'm still struggling, man, I wish I was still in bed as I'm yawning over here. I wish I was still asleep. I wish I was on Instagram. I wish I was doing something else. If you didn't know why you're here, you're here to meet Jesus and get baptized. And maybe not today, but someday in the future, you're going to meet Jesus and you're going to be baptized. And I believe that that's why you're here. Amen. Okay. Number 15. This is a big one. Jesus's enemy, Paul, was converted. His name was Saul. And he changed his name to Paul after he uh, met Jesus. He hated Christians. He killed Christians. He harassed and beat up Christians. And then he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. He meets Jesus. He says, uh, Saul, why are you, uh, why are you uh, persecuting me? And he's like, okay, my bad. Uh, 
I'll change my name to Paul, and I'll write half the Bible. You know, so it's like, so he changes his name. Uh, he went from Bin Laden to Billy Graham. This was a big deal, okay? <laughs> it's true, right? It's true. And so this is what happened, and uh, so it was a big deal that this happened, and this was uh, everyone that, you know, so much so that when Saul, when he, uh, when he converted, to, when he put his faith in Christ, there was a lot of debate whether or not they should accept him. Like, I, uh, can we trust this guy? He's been killing us. And so the fact that, that he lived his life devoted uh, to not just him knowing Jesus, but everyone that he came into contact with knowing Jesus is a proof that Jesus truly rose from the dead. Okay, uh, number 16, Jesus' resurrection was recorded shortly afterwards. Now, you may have heard the opposite when you were in school. Well, we can't really believe it, dear, because what we have is, you know, 800 years later, people... That is completely false and completely untrue. The Gospel of Mark is our earliest gospel, and it was written in about 65 A.D. Jesus was crucified in 30 A.D., so that's 30 years uh, later. Uh, not just that, but uh, the book of First uh, Corinthians, chapter 15, that is our, is our earliest recorded book, which is before 60 A.D., more than likely. Uh, if you read 1 Corinthians 15, it's a report of the resurrection of Jesus. And it's a song that says, you know, historically they say it was a song that they sang. But not just that, when you read 1 Corinthians 15, it says that many of the eyewitnesses that were there to see him resurrected are still alive today, and you can go find them and talk to them. That is how early the resurrection of Jesus was recorded, that people were still alive, that you could go and find them, say, hey, well, you know, Greg was there. Go ask Greg. He saw it. He saw it happen. And so this was not an event. This was not a historical event that they wrote down hundreds, thousands of years later, but rather one that happened within 30 to 50 years. They're writing down the proof that Jesus was resurrected. Uh, number 17, Jesus's resurrection is unique to history. Unique to history. Jewish people had no concept of someone rising from the dead in the middle of history. Now, the, the Jewish belief, they were kind of split, right? We have the, the two Jewish, um, uh, the major uh, leaders that they had, the, these two followings, and one half believed in the resurrection at the end times and the other half didn't. But none of them believed that anyone would be resurrected before the end of days. None of them did. Daniel 12, 2 prophesies that everyone who dies will rise again and some will go to heaven and some will go to hell. Uh, that is, again, Daniel 12, that's Old Testament stuff. The Greeks had no concept of, of resurrection, nor did they have a desire. They didn't desire because the Greek mindset was that you have this body, which is just gross and yucky, and then you have this pure soul, and the greatest thing that you can ascend to is to separate your body from your soul. So they had no desire for people to be uh, resurrected from the dead. Uh, Jesus is who he says he is, and he alone does what he says he's going to do every time. Jesus' resurrection is unique to history. Okay, number 18, Jesus' resurrection is verified by history. Not just, you know, because you can say, well, this Bible, can we really trust it? Can we really believe it? The answer is yes. But on top of that, we have extra biblical evidence. There, uh, an early uh, Jewish historian, his name is Josephus. Josephus, I'm sure he's friends with Cleopas. So Josephus... <laughs> This is what he said. Okay, so what happened was, is Josephus, he's this historian, and the Jewish leader said, hey, 
this Christianity thing has taken off and we want to put a stop to it. So you need to go, you need to find out all of the evidence and you need to bring it back to us so we can tell people with the complete assurance that Jesus isn't who he said he was. He didn't come back from the dead. So you need to go and you need to talk to those Christians. And so he went out and he did his own research. And this is what he said. This is what he concluded. He said that Jesus was wise, that he performed miracles, that he was the real Messiah that they were waiting for. Uh, he was the one that Pilate condemned and crucified and that those who loved him still loved him. And on the third day, he appeared to them restored to life. This was not a man who's writing part of the Bible. He's a historian writing down historical facts that he verified and researched himself. Look it up if you don't believe me. Okay, number 19. Jesus' resurrection defies any explanation that could be an alternative. If Jesus is dead, how could he still be dead? The tomb would still be full. His people wouldn't die for it. What motive would there be for devoted Jewish people to die on account of a man who stayed dead? No one fact in history of mankind can be proven better than the resurrection of Jesus. There's no better or fuller evidence that Jesus rose from the dead, which is why we're here to celebrate today. All right, number 20, Jesus' church has stood the test of time. Amen? Amen. Jesus' church has stood the test of time. We are here. We're not going anywhere. We're going to be here until Jesus comes back, and then we're going to be with him for all eternity. Jesus promised that his church would grow. It would spread out over the whole earth, and we are nowhere near Israel, are we? So we, have, we are proof of that fact. The Bible is the most translated and best-selling book of all time. The church of Jesus Christ is unstoppable, not because of how amazing we are, but because Jesus is who he says he is. We are just proof that Jesus Christ is amazing. He's the God we worship. And if death can't stop him, nothing can. Amen, amen. Uh, Jesus is alive and still changing lives today. You know, I don't want you to raise your hand, but how many of us have had our life drastically changed by Jesus? Right? Yeah, amen, me. I'm one of those people. We don't have to raise our hands, but me? Absolutely. Uh, If Jesus is dead... Who is doing that change? Who is, who is doing this drastic change within people's lives? Jesus is still alive and he's still working today. And your life as a follower of Jesus, the drastic change that happens when you devote yourself to his teachings and to him is proof that he is who he says he is. So the, I just want to celebrate with us today. That's, that's my 21 points, but the church is open. The tomb is empty. And if you haven't been baptized... First of all, I, we have, uh, Paul is going to get baptized over here. I'm going to ask, you can go get uh, dressed and ready. But if you haven't been baptized, uh, today is the day, my friends. Today is the day. You can talk to one of our elders. We have uh, Randy here. I know Oli was here. He's leading worship. And, or Ed in the back. Or talk to myself. Even after the service has ended, if everyone has left, you're like, you know what? Today is the day. I want to get baptized. I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ. I will stay late. I will baptize you, our elders. We will stay here as long as it takes. If we have a line all the way out the door, we will stay late and we will baptize people. Uh, But today is the day. You can have a new life in Jesus today. And for those of you who are going to be baptized, this is the best day of your life. It's where your burden is lifted. You get a new life with Jesus for all eternity. And it's an honor for me to preach Jesus, but I have to ask you 
Do you know him? Do you know Jesus? The real Jesus, the real resurrected Jesus. Do you trust him? Are you ready to place your faith in him? So don't lose the opportunity that we are giving you. Uh, Really, here's the other fact. I'm here in the office most days of the week, at least Monday through Thursday. If you're like Tuesday hits and you're like, man, I the sermon just hit me, or I was reading this passage and it just hit me, and I want to get baptized today. There's nothing that would stop us from doing that. Okay, so I would love, it doesn't have to be in front of people. If you're, if you're scared or if you're shy, you want to do it another time, that's totally okay. We'll do it whenever. It doesn't take that long to fill up that, uh, the baptistry, so we are excited to partner with you in your new life. Again, just as Jesus rose from the dead, in his uh, new creation, we too get to partner with him by being buried with him and raising to walk in the newness of life. So thank you guys so much for coming on Easter. If you do not know me, please introduce yourself. And if you do know me, please give me a hug. Uh, it's so great to see you guys. I'm going to pray for us. And uh, then we're going to do some other stuff with Jeff, and then we'll have a baptism uh, after that. So let's pray together. Uh, Father, we're so thankful that you are who you say you are. God, you didn't have to do any of this stuff for us. You tell us that the wages of our sin is death. And so you paid that for us with your death. So thank you for being the God who loves us enough to die for us. So God, help us to love you enough to live for you. Father, we just celebrate you today above all days on the day that you rose from the dead. And we just ask that you'd help us to grow closer and closer to you for all eternity. We ask all these things in your son Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. Thank you.